A wonderful Wednesday to each of you, and welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. The Grizzlies had a big win on Monday night against the Utah Jazz, perhaps one of their biggest wins of the year. But I'm going to tell you this, this is going to be one of my favorite episodes of the year with the Grizzlies facing the Toronto Raptors tonight, because I am very pleased to welcome one of the best personalities I've come across over the past year when it comes to content creation in the NBA, Esfandiar Barahani from The Score. And me and him have become fast friends covering basketball, the Grizzlies, and everything else. And just one of the kindest and most talented people I have come across when it comes to covering the NBA. He's been kind enough to join us. Big Raptors fan. We call him S. S, how are you this morning, sir? <laughs> I'm good, man. Thank you. Man, thank you for the introduction. I appreciate it. And yes, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's good to be on the pod with a friend, man. It's good to be on the pod with a friend. Absolutely. Um, obviously, um, you, I have uh, promoted uh, many of S's uh, great works. So uh, does a lot of video work, does some audio work. Occasionally, we'll put together a tune or some type of music. He's horrible on that end. So <laughs> you can't bat a thousand, though. You just can't bat a thousand when it comes to content creation. But a very talented individual. S is joining us to talk all things John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and the Grizzlies plus previewing tonight's game when it comes between the Grizzlies and the Raptors. But before we do this, S, I've got a little bit of an intro song for Locked on Grizzlies that I want you to hear. Let's get it going here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. You are Locked on Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I actually mixed that myself, S. I don't know if you believe me or not. It's not a tribute to Kim Birch or anything like that, but I was pretty <laughs> excited when I put that together. I'm completely lying. I'm uh, I'm actually very, very surprised because, look, I, I, I don't know about your musical abilities. I know you probably do some karaoke, right? You probably do some karaoke. I could believe that. Yeah. So, I, I, you know what? Actually, I believe it. I believe it. I can see it happening. I yeah, see it exactly. Happening. Exactly. Um, of course, you can find S at just S uh, Beharani. I'm, I'm horrible with names, so correct me if I'm wrong. But also, you can find his work on the score. S does a lot. Of, uh, very talented when it comes to social media. But S, we'll get right into it. Obviously, you are someone who, in the time that I've gotten to know you, you have put a lot of emphasis on really covering the young talents in the NBA. And there's so many fun ones out there. But I know from talking with you in our interactions, you are a huge fan of John Morant. We'll get into where he possibly sticks out among the young talent. But what makes him so exciting? From the perspective of someone such as yourself, who doesn't have any ties to the Grizzlies, you know, who doesn't you know follow them closely or anything like that, what stands out about John Morant that is so exciting compared to the rest of the NBA? Oh man, where to start? Um, there, John Morant is easily one of the most enigmatic players in the league, just because of the way that he plays the game. Um, there, it, he has a certain level of chaos mixed with composure that is just the perfect tandem for a point guard in, in today's game. Uh, it feels as if he can do his own thing throughout the game, but he feels the responsibility that he has to get people involved. And you love to see that in a player uh, where, where he's unselfish, yet you know he, he has all the God-given talent to be able to do it himself as well. Um, I think one of my favorite things about Morant is is just his contorting body. Like he just knows how to move his body and bend his body in such 
awkward ways, not only to finish himself, but to kind of get that pass open. We saw it last night, right, with with the Jaron Jackson Jr. game winner is how did Morant even find a way to get that angle off for a pass? Uh, those those are just some of the things. And obviously the 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 crazy, ridiculous athleticism adds to it. But Morant, in a lot of ways, is just the full package for for what I look for in a point guard. And, and it's really fun to watch him. And I'm not going to say he's up there on the on the level of a Luca or things like that, but SU got a firsthand account of just how important a two-way alpha wing is to an NBA title, you know, opportunity. First off, congratulations on that title and glad that Mark Gasol could be a part of it. But you got <laughs> to experience that with Kawhi Leonard coming into the fold in Toronto. You're seeing some of those talents, though get a bit older, get into their 30s, and it seems like there's a new era of ball handlers that are really becoming basically the main players in the future of the NBA. But I think that what separates a Morant and a Trey and a Luka, LaMelo Ball at times, and what's going to make those players be championship, you know, 1A, 1Bs on championship contenders is the ability to take over his scores or playmakers. And that's something that really shines with Morant. How important do you think that is for a young star player for today's NBA in the future? It's huge. Uh, and and also, I think an aspect of it is obviously going to be the shooting, which is something that you know people harp on when it comes to Morant. I, the one thing I'll say about the Raptors, um, a lot of people within Raptors Twitter have such uh, an affinity and an appreciation for the Grizzlies just because of the connection there you know there there used to be the the we used to call them the raptors west because of Jonas valanciunas and obviously the canadians on the team between brandon clark and dylan brooks right so uh there's there's a big connection there we raptors fans they they watch more grizzlies basketball than you'd imagine but uh i, I think back to your question of of being scores i think for morant obviously the question is is the three-point shot and if you can develop that and he's he's obviously seen some some improvement there I think the big aspect for for him right now is figuring out that on switch. Uh, we see it sometimes he is fully invested in playmaking and creating for others. And then we see other times where clearly he's trying to take uh, the offense for himself. So it, it's about finding that blend. I think he'll be able to find it again. If you look at young point guards in the league, I don't think like by the time it's year six, year seven, that's when they really adjust to coverages and they really adjust to how defenses approach them, what they're going to see on coverages. And, and that's really when you see guys fine tuning their game, especially at the point guard position for, for basketball players. So, and I know that you that you certainly enjoy all of the NBA and the young players. And, you know, the, we talk about young cores. And I, and I feel that, you know, you could probably put the Hawks and a few others in front of the Grizzlies right now. But this young core really stands out. You mentioned a Canadian son himself who takes pride in being Canadian, Mr. Dylan Brooks. Though he has not played this year, S, I do feel that his value may be even more well-known now since he hasn't played than right. he has. The observation from you and the evolution of his game as a two-way player and something that is very important to every core to have, you obviously know that with a lot of the length and defensive upside that you have there with the Raptors. Yeah, well, I, I think there's uh, there's actually a common misconception about Dylan Brooks. Uh, maybe maybe from like a casual perspective where he's just this like, you know, he shoots shots, he's a chucker, et cetera, et cetera. But I think a lot of people underrate his defensive ability. Um, he was... He was in contention for an all defensive spot last year, in my opinion. And it was it was clear that he had taken a step, uh, at least from a on-ball perspective, at that level. Um, I, I think he was really, really coming into his own on that level. 
And if you think of, you know, the Grizzlies nucleus, he is so important as a point of attack defender for them. Morant can, can, you know, be interesting and kind of feisty in passing lanes, right. As an off ball guy. But when it comes to on ball defense at, at the point of attack and at the guard position, it's all up to Dylan Brooks. Um, so it's great to see him take that evolution, becoming a two-way guy. And to, to your point about young cores, the Grizzlies absolutely have one of the best young cores. If you think about the, the lot of talent that they've they've kind of created, it's the uh, Anthony Melton, Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson, obviously John Morant, among many others. Uh, they, they have a lot of talent to work with. And, of course, that was something that, you know, one thing that I'll say is this. Within the Grizzlies fan base, Grizzlies fans in general, we all know the potential that Jaron Jackson Jr. has. The hope is is just that the inconsistencies start turning into allowing for him to be able to turn that potential into two-way production. But not only has he done it, I talked about it on yesterday's episode, he's doing it more frequently, and he's doing it on the bigger stages. You, I know that you were tweeting during the Grizzlies-Utah game I'll be against Utah. Jaron Jackson Jr. looked like the best player on the court at times. I feel like the more that happens, the better the Grizzlies are going to get. Your thoughts on his performance and when he's on, when he is producing like that, it's a complete game changer for the Grizzlies. He is, in a lot of ways, what will take the Grizzlies from being a fringe playoff team, fun, exciting young team to a perennial contender. If Jaron Jackson Jr. is is what people expect him to be, which I think he is showing this season. Um, then, then absolutely, you know, you guys move into a different bracket when it comes to the Western conference. I, I think the one thing that I have a question about with Jaron is, is how it's impacting y'all's defense, because at the end of the day, you know, obviously you guys are, I believe last in defensive rating now, um, which is a concern. I mean, at the end of the day, you guys were one of the best defensive teams last season. The switch over has seemed to be an interesting aspect of, of, you know, putting Jaron at the five a little bit more and and dealing with drop coverage, et cetera, et cetera, seeing how that works out with him. But I think in terms of development, absolutely. He's he's taking the strides that you need him to. I, the one question I'd have for you when it comes to Jaron Jackson is, do you think that this can be consistent? Because I think that's the question now. It's like, hey, have we, we've seen it through a, a 10 game, you know, 15 game stretch. Can we see it through 82? It's a fair question, and, and that's something that I had talked about earlier this season and in the off season. You know, with right, right now, is it consistent? No. Anybody who says that he's not consistent, I think that they're fair to say that. I've always stated with Jaron Jackson Jr. coming into this year, we're going to see more flashes than we are consistency. But can we get that one in six games? down to one in five games, down to one in four games where he's a difference maker. And I think we're starting to see that trend. That was going to be the barometer for me this year. To your point about the defense, we are not playing well on defense. He actually has been our biggest defensive difference maker, especially in big games. And when him and Dylan Brooks are on the court together, it shows an entirely different level of production. So right. yes, within the concept of the team, I do think that Jaron Jackson Jr. is certainly developing his impact, but you are absolutely asking the right questions. Can he put it together over a full 82-game season? This year it may not be there, but it's starting to be more frequent, and that certainly is something that is encouraging. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick second, talk about True Bill. True Bill is, you know, a wonderful thing because it allows for you, if you're someone who likes to sign up for free trials and things like that when it comes to subscriptions, but you don't like the fact that you try to cancel when you can't, True Bill is a great way to do it. It's a it, basically when you 
go after these free trials. They'll renew without your consent. It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money anymore. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, want, or simply forget about. On average, people save up to $720 per year with Truebill. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now, Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. If you could say it could save you thousands a year, Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. The other thing I can tell you is this, is that one thing that I could suggest that you could subscribe to is Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Having in the morning for breakfast and the afternoon as a snack. S is being a true sport seeing me go through these ads. But when you go to Built.com right now, you put in the promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your next order from Built.com. And you have over 18 different flavors to choose from. When it comes to my when it comes to my preferences in music, I'm probably a good option. When it comes to S's, his own music is horrible. But at the end of the day, <laughs> it's what matters to you. That's exactly what it is at Built.com with Biltmar. Choose from over 18 different flavors. Put in the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. Listen, I'm a huge fan when it comes to the Grizzlies. S is a huge fan when it comes to the Raptors. So you have plenty of choices to listen to when it comes to your Locked On NBA podcast of your choice. But after that being your first listen, make sure you go listen to the Locked On MLB podcast. The Braves are World Series champions. S knows. I was excited as can be about them winning. Check out the Locked On MLB podcast network for your second listen of the day. So S, we're talking about these young cores in the NBA, and I think that it's a very exciting young core. Before we get into your young core, which is an exciting in itself, I want to talk about how the Raptors are transitioning from a team that won the title back in the 18-19 season to a team that is now rebuilding. I have said it on many occasions. I feel that when the Grizzlies want to get to be in a contending team, their path may be the Raptors' path. The Grizzlies build up the supporting, they, they, they build up the foundation, and then they go get the ringer, the, the, the piece that puts them over the top to really go after that. Kawhi Leonard was that, did his job, obviously left in free agency. Kyle Lowry has as well. How do you feel in a small market the Raptors are setting an example of how you can remain on track even if you won a title the pieces that won you that title have moved on, but you're staying competitive. How have the Raptors done such a good job of that when it comes to development? Right. Uh, it's funny because I don't think the Raptors or Toronto in general is is a true small market, but just in the fashion that obviously it's it's in Canada, it kind of acts as such, and and you know it has its own you know situations whatnot in terms of travel and and all those other things that you've heard NBA players talk about. But I, I think when it comes to you know, the building out process. Uh, one of the key factors at looking at that 19 run is the fact that they turned their own draft picks into players that contributed to that NBA championship, whether it be trading Terrence Ross for Serge Ibaka, whether it be obviously trading, you know, Jonas Valanciunas, DeLon Wright, et cetera, for, for Marcus All. They turned the players that they ended up drafting high in the lottery or within the lottery area to be able to get guys that can contribute on a championship team. Um, I think that's such a huge aspect because they realized and maximized the potential of guys that they developed. Um, and obviously you've seen that with the Grizzlies do that as well. I think at the end of the day, and this was something I wanted to ask you, consolidation is probably something that's on the way for the Grizzlies just because of the plethora of talent that they have. It's just a, it's just a matter of timing and figuring out what 
exact moment is perfect to strike. I think another aspect of the Raptors championship run that's somewhat underrated is the fact that they they timed it properly, right? Uh, LeBron headed out <laughs> headed out west. They knew that there was this open area, right, where they could they could kind of slot themselves in, and they capitalized on it. Um, I think that's that's one of the more underrated aspects of it as well. Um, when it comes to small markets approaching it, I think there is a similar approach to what a Grizzlies would do to what the Raptors would do. If you're not attracting those big name free agents, you can't really rely on that to be your team building um, strategy. It's it's more so one develop through the draft, three find other ways to develop talent, transfer those talents into guys that can actually help you contribute to win, or keep those guys if they end up panning out. It's 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 a balance, and it's obviously a different path than say the Lakers or Miami Heat would take to building an NBA championship, but it's certainly still a viable one. And I think the Raptors showed that. So, Yeah, and you're talking about timing as well when it comes to the Grizzlies. You're right. It's an active approach, right? And it, and it goes a, a few ways. You have to constantly be making moves, and that's one thing that Zach Kleiman certainly has done. Messiah Jiri rightfully is considered one of the best general managers in, or one of the best front office minds in all of sports. He absolutely deserves that distinction. I'm not saying Zach Kleiman's on that level, but it's an active approach. It's constantly helping this team evolve with moves. And sometimes that includes trading away players that you don't necessarily want to trade away. Jonas Valanciunas has been an example of that in Toronto as right. well as in Memphis. But you mentioned the timing of things. And we're talking about these young cores as two years from now, you're looking at Chris Paul being in his late 30s, LeBron being in his late 30s, Jokic perhaps being past his prime. I really think that's when the Grizzlies may potentially start to put together the pieces. So it's continued good drafting. It's building the foundation, but it's also knowing when to make these right moves. But the thing that also stands out, and I'll get your perspective on this, with John ja Morant, the Grizzlies do have a very good beacon of, you know, attractiveness of someone that players want to play with. And I think that certainly should help them out, even though Memphis may not be the most attractive market for talents to come to. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and of course, I, I think, I think Morant is, you know, when you have a, I, I, we were, we had the discussion on Twitter the other day, someone asked, what is a generational talent? Um, you know, and I think by, by some definition, you can find a way to say that John Morant is a generational talent because of just the pure skill that he has on the basketball court. Um, when it, when it comes to, you know, three, four years and projecting forward, obviously him, Jaron, they have to take their leaps to, for this team to even be in consideration to consolidate. But I, I think that they are well within their right and well on their path to get to that point. It's 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 very clear to me that the Grizzlies are are kind of in that moment. Uh, I I don't want to relate it to this team because there's so much high pressure that gets put on when you when you bring this team up. But if you remember the thunder of the 2010s and how they developed through through the draft and, and kind of built this young core that just exploded out of nowhere. I think in a lot of ways, the Grizzlies have that same simmering potential because, you know, they have the players that can do it. It's just about getting to that point. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Obviously Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and James Harden. That's a, that's a tough act to follow, but, but the Grizzlies are talented men and, and they should absolutely be one of those teams in the Western conference in the next couple of years. And you also talk about the development. It's not just drafting. It's yep. development. It's those two Ds right there that really make a difference. And Toronto probably is one of the benchmark organizations. And something that I love that they're doing, we talk about if you want to find a long and lengthy player with good defensive upside, just go pick 
from the eight or nine of them that are six, nine on the Toronto Raptors current roster, but all joking aside, they're putting a monopoly on a player profile that is so critical in today's game. And of course, one of the big decisions that they made this offseason that could pay huge dividends already is, is choosing Scotty Barnes over Jalen Suggs in the 2021 draft. I feel a rejuvenation. Someone with Barnes who not only is better than anticipated when it comes to the court, but who's really embraced the market as well. How excited is the fan base with Scotty Barnes in the fold there and having a great start to the season? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, Scotty and, you know, with the whole decision and whatever the, the Raptors decided aside, uh, I think he has helped the Raptors skip a full blown rebuild, tear it up and, and break it down um, just because of how well he's progressed so far. And because he's developed to the point where, you know, there's actually potential for him to be an all-star maybe next year or the year after that, just because of the way that he's playing. So I, I think, I think the thing with Scotty is that he sort of saved this particular core from being dealt and, and pushed away. Now, maybe that happens in the next couple of years. Who knows? But I, I think that does have a foundational aspect to it. He's he's kind of saved them from a full-blown rebuild, which is which is good to see. I, I think the one thing with Scotty that's so interesting is that he's not a good defender yet. He is not. Uh, like, as a rookie, um, he makes tons of rookie mistakes, misses out on rotations late, but he is so athletic so uh lanky and so so long that he can recover and you'll kind of miss the fact that he even made the mistake in the first place so it goes to show you that one his body is probably already at a point where he can get even better uh but his mind and, and what he has to do obviously that has to get a little bit better and he has to he has to kind of improve in that area defensively which show you shows you the potential the the potential of how good of a player he can be because he's already an impactful guy and if he gets that side of the court right as well, sky's the limit. And that's the thing with Nick Nurse as your coach, with Masai Ujiri as your GM, and with the rest of the roster, the sky's the limit for the whole thing. We'll dive into that a little bit more with S in just a second. But of course, we want to talk about our title sponsor, BetOnline.ag, a new and improved interface when it comes to betting. The best place on the market, if you go to BetOnline right now, uh, you actually can get 100% deposit bonus uh, by using uh, the promo code LOCKED on NBA. Again, if you go to BetOnline right now, you can get 100% welcome bonus actually using the promo code LOCKED ON. No matter if it's football, basketball, whatever it may be, check out betonline.ag today. But I want to add to that. If you're going to go through betonline.ag today, what I want for you to do is I want for you to go follow S on Twitter. Any games that he predicts, pick the opposite of what he predicts, and you absolutely will have the betting success of your life. I'm completely kidding. I love cutting it up with this because of how awesome <laughs> of a person he is. But all joking aside, he's horrible when it comes to picking games. But yeah, again, go to betonline.ag. Make sure you check it out. Use the promo code locked on to get 100% welcome bonus. So S, another question that I want to ask, because we're talking about this activity. We've got two franchises here. The Grizzlies are trying to get up to where the Raptors were, but it's about these trades and things such as that. When I look at this um, uh, Raptors roster, obviously a big uh, determining factor for tonight's game will be, will OG and Anobi play? And make correct me if I'm wrong on that name. Is it OG and Anobi? Is that how you say his name? Yeah, 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 you nailed it, yeah. Um, his availability. But again, we talk about this Raptors roster. It's so attractive with length, defense, and things like that. But in today's NBA, you've got to balance out that defense, that length, that athleticism 
with shooting. Do the Raptors feel they're going to get enough of it from their young core right now, or do you feel that as these players develop, you're eventually going to take a piece or two of them and go get a pure shooter to really yeah. balance it out? I think I think shooting uh, the 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 actual skill of shooting isn't the issue. I think it's the idea of spacing. Um, you know, you have guys like Fred VanVleet and Gary Trent Jr. and even OG, who's been a forty percent shooter over the past two seasons, I believe. Um, they're all shooters in, in the in the sense that they can they can hit a three point shot and they're good that way. But I, I think the question you really have is spacing in the front court, uh, especially since Pascal Siakam has returned. We've noticed a little bit of a change between him, Scotty Barnes, and OG Ananobi if he's healthy, or Ken Birch. It's just not enough space to operate, uh, especially if you're having or if you're trying to have one of either Scotty or Pascal be your ball handler in the half court. It's really, really tough for them to generate anything in the paint if there's no spacing surrounding them. Um, our guys trying to contest a Gary Trent Jr. jumper? Yes. Are guys, are guys trying to con contest a OG Ananobi jumper? Yes. But at the same time, do they provide the same gravity that that other marksman-type shooters do? Probably not. Um, and I, I think that's something that they'll have to look and try to figure out over the next couple of years is finding guys who can create in the half court because that's one of the bigger issues. And it's been an issue over the past couple of seasons where the Raptors have been, I believe, bottom five in half-court efficiency. Uh, on on the offensive end. So if you look at the what they really, really need to improve is finding someone to create and be able to create his own shot specifically in the half court. Now, whether they do that through the draft or or one of their current guys becomes that guy, you know, you talked about OG Ananobi. There's the there's this hope with Raptors fans that they think he can be that guy for them. But, you know, the, these are kind of just questions and, and things you have to kind of just take on the chin when it comes for a team that's one, rebuilding and developing and trying to figure out their own identity. Um, they're doing something cool, aren't they, right, with the whole 6-9 lineup. They don't really have a nominal center to protect the rim, and I think you've seen them be burned on that when it comes to the defensive end a bunch. Uh, the, the question will be how they're going to figure it out on offense. I think the defense will figure itself out. The offensive side is something that you kind of have to wait and see and be patient with. And also, there are some intriguing talents as well. Um, I think that a few of these players I'm about to mention, they've started the occasional game or two, but they're really helping off the bench. That's Delano Banton, For if I got his name wrong, please forgive me. But also a Memphis product here, uh, Precious Achua, who y'all got in yep. the um, uh, uh, a trade with Kyle Lowry to Miami. But the reason I bring those guys up is that, again, we've got this link, we've got this defense. But with Nick Nurse, I think that it's the lineup customization game by game based off matchup that really also helps out. How important do you think that is in today's NBA? Of course, you want to go to your lineups. Everybody probably has their version of a death lineup you're going to consistently use in high leverage and closing situations. But changing up that lineup based off game matchups and things like that, how important is it and how is it helping the Raptors to have a lot of skilled players with good length based off who they're playing? Yeah, he's he's been very fluid with his rotations. Uh, he hasn't been afraid. Obviously, Delano Benton being the 46th overall pick and already being over uh, Goran Dragic and, and Malachi Flynn to a certain aspect as well. Um, beating them for the backup point guard spot has been huge to see. Uh, he, so he has absolutely contributed. And I think in terms of the flexibility and nurses shown, uh, with a team that's so young um, and, and, and so inexperienced, 
you want to be able to throw out different lineups there just to test the waters and see what happens. I mean, think about it. The Raptors went from a team that had Kyle Lowry, Mark Gasol, Serge Ibaka, Danny Green, and Kawhi Leonard, all guys who are extremely veteran, veteran players, to having Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet be their longest tenure players and their most veteran players. So this is this is a very, very young team. Uh, and I think with young teams, you have to, one, be able to test things out and fail. Um, and two, just figure out what works and what doesn't. And you kind of Nick Nurse is, is sort of the perfect coach for that because he loves to galaxy brain certain rotations and just be like, let's let's try, you know, a rotation of Delano Banton, Sfee Mihailuk and, and, you know, Gary Trent Jr. on the court together and let's see what happens. Um, so so he's very flexible on that. And then I think that's going to be successful come down the road. Now, speaking of down the road, I do have to ask this question because, of course, you asked about that consolidation trade. I didn't really mention it back then, but the reason why is I wanted to lead up to this point. I'm not saying the Grizzlies and, and, and uh, Raptors record-wise are very close, but the Grizzlies are probably a little bit further down that line when it comes to their current rebuild than the Raptors. We talk about this consolidation trade. We talk about the Grizzlies really needing a big wing who could provide value in multiple ways. You've got one of those who's in the prime of his <laughs> career by the name of Pascal Siakam. So I have to ask, to whatever depth you, you want to get into, um, you know, we talk about the 46th overall pick. It worked out with y'all with Banton. It worked out with us from the 18 46th overall pick in DeAnthony Melton. Yep. I feel we could have a package to put together with the Pascal Siakam. And you don't have to get into names. My question, though, to you is this. If the Raptors were to certainly market Pascal Siakam, do you feel it would be for y'all more to get a future assets type trade? Or do you feel that it would be him being the base and adding a few pieces of your own to go get a true star? If the Grizzlies were to want to target Pascal Siakam, what would the Raptors side of things look like? What would they be able to do in perhaps making a trade either likely or not likely? I think it depends on when less than like why I, I mean if if the Raptors decide by the end of this season pr prior to trade deadline maybe this offseason that they want to move Pascal uh then I think they would go towards the younger route getting assets getting draft picks getting young guys prospects who could kind of fill out the roster and see how they can develop them because you know that way they're they're moving a little bit slightly towards even a, a, a more longer full-blown rebuild if if let's say two years down the line, three years down the line, Scotty Barnes developed into an all-star, Pascal Siakam has has kind of gotten back to that level that Raptors fans have expected him to be. Fred Van Vliet has, you know, been been the floor general and Gary Trent Jr. has developed into his own. OG Ananobi has taken steps. Then I think at that point you can say, okay, we're a good enough team to be a playoff team in the Eastern Conference, be fringe uh, or or be frisky enough to to get a maybe a first round series, whatever happens in the next couple of years. And then you have to ask yourself, how do you take that next step? And to that point, you know, if it's three, four years down the line, two, three years, I, I believe Pascal Siakam's contract is up in three years. So if if you're three, if you're two years down the line and you say, hey, this team can potentially win something, but there's a player out there available you know, we don't know situations, but I'll just throw out names like a Carl Anthony Towns. If he becomes available at some point in time, I'm sure the Raptors would try to, you know, package Pascal plus multiple picks and, and do something along the lines of that. Are any of those going to happen? I have no idea. I don't have the sources to be able to confirm that. But at the same time, it it isn't it's an inevitability that, yes, they the Raptors M.O. and the way that they like to team build is developing talent 
and then being able to trade it in order to find that other talent that can take them over the edge. Does that happen to Pascal? Time will tell. Speaking of talent, thank you for that insight because, you know, it's always fun to sit here and speculate on what trades can make sense for the Grizzlies, but how do they make sense for other teams? And I think you bring up a great point. Speaking of talent, and I know I said it earlier, don't mean to rain praise on U.S., but S. is a very talented individual himself. Um, I don't know if he makes the best music videos, but I'm not one to judge. But I will say this, S. has a passion music Dutch's just as much as he does basketball and s one of the best you know places out there in the world i think that mixes basketball and music is of course memphis unfortunately we had the recent passing of young Dolph in the yeah. area as well but also just in general want to get your thoughts about that mix of basketball and music in the setting of memphis that really makes it unique because when it comes to the grizzlies we have fans about the grizzlies as well as many of the great artists that have come from memphis just your thoughts on that mixture that blend that makes memphis unique well, like the first thing I think of when you think of Memphis is is like Three Six Mafia and Juicy J, right? Like that's just the that's for me that as soon as you hear Memphis is that, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, th- I've wanted to mem I wanted to Memphis. I've wanted to visit Memphis uh, for such a long time just because of the music scene there, and and obviously Tennessee in general, just because music is such a vibrant thing in that state. So um, that's that's something that I've I've always wanted to do, man. Mis- visit the South and and see see it for myself because I've heard the food is incredible. The music is incredible. And obviously we've got a really, really good friend here in Sean Coleman that, that can, that can be host. Um, I, I, I love music and I love hip hop. So the first thing I would probably mention is, is three, six mafia and juicy J just uh, it's the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, I think that that's probably something that, that that many would say, but it's just pretty cool that you got different generations of it. You know, they, you know, yeah. they're, you know, it, it, that was back when you know I was younger and things such as that. You have the generation now with Young Dolph and all those different things. Yeah. I'm not that knowledgeable when it comes to music as you and others are, but it really is cool to see the mix that all is going on. S, obviously, as I mentioned, you can find S at just S um, Berhani on Twitter. Again, I'm horrible with names. So S, the thing that I will say, though, is this. Where can folks find your great work? Obviously, I and others try to promote your work through the score. I know you do a lot of stuff on social media. Where can your work be found and what might you have coming up when it comes to work for the rest of this year and beyond? Uh, well, you, you can find us on YouTube at the score. Uh, you can, you can be able to find us on YouTube there, or if you want, you can download the score app and you can find some of my videos on there as well. That's, that's essentially it. That's all the plug I got. Um, you can obviously see it on my Twitter as well. If you'd like at just as bear Um, but that's, that's pretty much it. Man. Yeah. And what I'll do is, is those who are on YouTube, first off, make sure you hit subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure you follow S. I will include a link to S's wonderful video that he did on John Morant earlier this year. Um, it was is a great detail. That's the thing about S. It's not only great detail, but it's great perspectives as well for many of his videos. So we'll make sure to check that out. S absolutely wonderful. You know me and you've been trying to make this happen for quite a while. Can't thank you enough. Certainly we'll have you on again. It's a pleasure anytime we get to do this. Stick with us just a second after the show, but thank you so much. Hey, absolutely. And by the way, the Raptors play the Grizzlies again in the next couple of weeks, so so maybe I'll see you then. Hey, hey we'll, 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 we'll see if we can make it happen. For S. Beharani, my name is Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter, the show at Locked on Grizz. S. right there with his Twitter handler as well. Make sure you go... Uh, 
<laughs> listen, review, subscribe to the podcast wherever it's available. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube as well. Go Grizzlies. Hopefully a victory over the Raptors and we'll make S cry. I'm kidding. But we'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.